How you doing, everybody? The Jet Comic Podcast Network. Welcome to Sports Course, a podcast where Chicago sports broadcasting pioneer and a national legal expert get into the legal goings of sports. And now your host, Chet Kopic and Lester Munson. Sports Court time. How you doing, everybody? Chet Kopic along with ESPN legal analyst, nationally recognized Lester Munson. Of course, we are brought to you by the marvelous people at American Taxi. We have a lot to talk about today. Reggie Bush, the former USC running back, along with Ben Roethlisberger, and the changing of the guard up at Hallis Hall with one George, Hallis McCaskey, and the eventuality of him replacing Michael McCaskey. Uh, first of all, Lester, I think right off the top, uh, we should uh, devote four to five hours to discussing the marvelous legacy that Michael McCaskey leaves <laughs> as chairman of the board of the Chicago Bears. I'll let you start. <laughs> the uh, When you see an owner like Rocky Wirtz posing for pictures and signing autographs among the fans, and then you think what would happen to Michael McCaskey if he were to walk among the fans in Soldier Field, he would need 12 security guys. It'd be, wa- it'd be like a lunchroom ride at Cook County Jail. <laughs> <laughs> it would it would be terrible. I, I don't know how exactly he did it, but a combination of his arrogant, patronizing attitude and some of the things he did just made him kind of a double obnoxious guy, I think, to most fans. You know, I'll give you my favorite uh, Michael McCaskey story. This probably took place about 91 or 92. There was a, a you know a blinding snowstorm up at Hallis Hall. Brad Palmer's there for uh, Channel 7. Brad now, of course, uh, a retired great, great reporter. So takes his cameraman inside to do a live shot for WLS-TV. Michael McCaskey walks by and says, you can't do this in here. And Brad says, well, all we're doing is giving you free publicity. And Michael's response was, and I mean, this is the very essence of Michael, we don't need free publicity. <laughs> wow. That's, His grandfather. That's, that's the same ball club, Lester, that when they opened up their renovated stadium in 2003, paid homage to the death of Ed McCaskey, who didn't know a football from a hockey puck, no. but was a pretty good lounge singer. It was also, by the way, it was the 20th anniversary of the death of George S. Hallis. He didn't get the time of day. No. Um, you know, I'm old enough that on, I can remember on my first job here in Chicago in journalism, I'm working on the Chicago Daily News afternoon newspaper. The, I was on the city desk. The sports department was right next to us. George Hallis himself, this is in 1962, 1963, he would come in talking to Bill Jouse and Joe yeah. Rain and yeah. George Vass and all these guys begging for an article in the paper. Papa Bear! Coming in, and did he need free publicity? He knew he needed free publicity, and that's how they built up the team, and now we have Michael doing this. Hey, my friend, uh, you think about Reggie Bush, you really don't think about uh, the New Orleans Saints. You think about uh, a splendid running back for uh, for USC who helped uh, Pete Carroll make a fortune, who filled seats in the uh, L.A. Coliseum like nobody's business, and a guy who obviously uh, uh, probably, if you look in the dictionary under the word cheater, you're going to find a picture of Reggie Bush. There, there shouldn't be much doubt about that. Uh, he, while he was at USC, there were a couple of young guys who wanted to start a sports marketing company, Lloyd Lake and Michael Michaels, two alliterative names, very good for us writers, <laughs> LL and MM. They were going to start a marketing company. How did they get to Bush? They supported his parents for three years, supposedly to the tune of $300,000 in cash and gifts, 
and a free house in San Diego for the time Bush was in, was at USC. They, of course, lost the business. Bush signed up with somebody else. They were furious. They sued him. And just now, in the last few days, this case has been settled. There's going to be a confidentiality agreement. Whatever Bush paid them to go away, we will probably never know. And, most importantly, the NCAA now loses any chance it had of trying to find out what went on with Bush at USC. Well, two things emerge uh, in my thought process about this, uh, as limited as that may be. Number one, <laughs> the problem with the NCAA, Lester, has always been, and Bob Knight's a book of knowledge on this, they have no subpoena power, number one. Number two, how aware do you actually think Pete Carroll was of what was going on with Reggie Bush? I mean, the idea that he didn't know is ludicrous. It, it is ludicrous. And not only what what did Pete Carroll know, what did Mike Garrett know? Because under Garrett, we've had now the Reggie Bush. Then we have the O.J. Mayo situation. These are both very toxic situations with the NCAA. Luckily for Garrett, luckily for USC now, there is no sworn testimony. They never took depositions from Bush, from Lake, from Michaels. So nobody is on record saying, here is what we did. And and Bush clearly had to know what he was doing when he settled this case because this saves him his Heisman Trophy. If he were to say, yes, they supported my parents and they gave him, let's say, half of that money, then then he's done. He They lose all the wins and he turns in the Heisman. So does this tell uh, so-called student-athletes around the country, uh, be as good as you want, cheat to beat the band, Pocket every dollar you can find. Drive a car that you're going to love. Make sure your family is uh, taken care of, if indeed you are an elite athlete. And really, don't worry about the outcome, because somehow through the legal process, there are enough loopholes that you can beat the system. Well, right now, that's exactly what happened with Bush. There's no question about it. Three years there, three years of support for his parents. Um, the parents have never been interviewed. He refuses to talk about it one way or the other. And now it's going to be all tied up in a contract. I spent uh, a day and a half trying to reach the two lawyers, the lawyer for Reggie Bush, who happens to also represent Kim Kardashian, by the way, <laughs> um, just in case you're wondering, um, and the lawyer for these would-be sports marketers, actually a pretty good lawyer and a nice guy. He cannot talk about it. He knows that if he says one word about it, the money disappears, he loses his fee, and his client loses the uh, the money that keeps him quiet. Uh, ben Roethlisberger, six games. Could be chopped to four if he's, uh, if he's a good boy. My gut says it will not be chopped to four because the public would visualize that and foresee it as being a sign of weakness, a sign of uh, being overly charitable on the part of Roger Goodell. I think that's right. I, I was very impressed that Goodell uh, decided on six games. I think that is exactly the right punishment. If anything, you could have gone longer. But given the unsavory, repulsive, disgusting nature of Roethlisberger's behavior on that night and on, an, on probably another occasion, uh, I think this is exactly right. And Goodell has had such support has had such an outpouring of praise for this, he's not going to back away from it in any major way. If, if Roethlisberger is playing in the fifth game of the season, he's a very lucky guy. You know, uh, Lester, what I find to be interesting about all this is the Pittsburgh Steelers won two Super Bowls with Ben Roethlisberger. You would think 
that somehow in this convoluted world we live in, they would come out and show some degree of support to Ben by saying, you know, we'll, we'll do whatever is required to give Ben appropriate counseling, this, that, here and there. They have basically divorced themselves with Roethlisberger to the point that the uh, subterranean message really reads, please, some National Football League franchise, offer us a third-round pick, and this bum is all yours. That's exactly what they're doing. you got to uh, take your head off to the Roonies. They have taken exactly the right approach here. Here's the best player on the team. The leader that probably should be the leader of the team, clearly he is not, but a guy who wins two Super Bowls for him, and they are willing to give him up for next to nothing. Chris Mortensen, a colleague of mine at ESPN, says they are, they've shopped him around to eight teams. Three have said no. Five are still in contention. We'll see. We'll see what happens. You know, one thing about the National Football League luster that we uh, both know holds a lot of water, no matter how bad you are. Or even think about a guy like Milton Bradley in Major League Baseball. You know, he's yeah. already causing problems for Seattle. Anybody surprised? I'm not. Roethlisberger has a ton of talent. If the Steelers want to move him, there is some ball club out there that will say, "All right, let's get the let's get the PR firing squad ready. Let's you know get it loaded up for the campaign that uh, we have a brand new Ben Roethlisberger. He will find a home, and if he's successful, the public will forget." He will find a home, and he'll run out on the field one day and get a huge ovation. It can happen, especially, you're right, in the National Football League, perhaps more so there than most places, although we did see Barry Bonds getting those huge ovations in San Francisco, even when everybody in the world knew that he was cheating with various drugs. But, yeah, Roethlisberger will find a place. It is interesting to me that Oakland has said no. They don't want him. That's that's the major shock. <laughs> that is a big surprise. That is a big surprise. Where old guys like Roethlisberger go to finish their how, career. How big an embarrassment? I mean, you know, pride and poise, just win baby, Stabler, Casper, three Super Bowl championships. In the Super Bowl as recently as, I believe, 2003, 2004, whatever the case may be, when uh, when John Gruden was head coach. The Raiders have slipped so badly. I, I do know this, that they are financially the weakest franchise in the National Football League. Rarely, if ever, sell out a ball game. How big an embarrassment is Al Davis to the NFL? I think that most of the owners would be very happy if Davis would go away and would sell the team to almost any one of his partners. They don't even care which one anymore. They're tired of him. He sues them every time he turns around. Uh, he is weak financially. The team is undercapitalized. He's got all sorts of debt that he has to pay interest on, and nobody shows up for the games. Once Art Modell left, uh, he Davis became the most problematic owner financially. You know, Lester, I've uh, always uh, reminded myself about uh, the National Football League and its uh, very cozy relationship with gambling, which it just loves to deny. I mean, gambling doesn't even exist. You know, forget about the fact that TV ratings would drop 30% on Sunday without gambling. When uh, George Hallis was laid to rest back in uh, November of 1983, I was covering the funeral for uh, Channel 5, and, you know, Tech Schramm arrives, and Art Modell arrives, and I'm getting a soundbite here and a soundbite there. Two guys who walk in arm-in-arm, arm, laughing like crazy. You can tell that they're terrific friends. Who were they? Al Davis and Jimmy the Greek Snyder. <laughs> <laughs> that is perfect. And you know what they were talking about. <laughs> they had something going on that night on some game somewhere. Matter of fact, uh, the Greek told me that when... Uh, uh, when Al and the Raiders won the 83 Super Bowl, Al called him the morning of the ball game and said, let's go for a motorcycle ride together. Oh. <laughs> God. Davis, you know, he, he, he's hanging on. 
he had those wonderful years with those great teams. He knew what he was doing for a while, but, boy, something's happened there. It's, it's a shame. Hey, the Chicago Blackhawks, uh, a phenomenal story. I yeah. mean, my gosh, what's not to like about the Blackhawks creatively, financially, artistically, promotionally? I mean, you you can just literally spend a month talking about what Rocky, John McDonough, Jay Blunk, Quenville, all these people have done. What do you suppose the Blackhawks would command on the open market right now if all of a sudden the club said, we're going to sell? Well, what you have to look at is they have one-fourth of Comcast Sportsnet. They have one-half of the United Center. Right. All of that real estate. And, of course, they have the Blackhawks, an original six franchise with the most devoted following in all of professional sports, perhaps. That is a very valuable franchise. Hockey teams... Do not go for big money. The Phoenix Coyotes are changing hands right now for probably $140 million. So the Hawks would be worth at least four times that would be my guess. So we're talking five or $600 million. Four years ago, they're worth the same price as the Phoenix Coyotes. That's what McDonough and Rocky Wirtz have done. You know, uh, Lester, I think you're actually low. Given the, uh, given the incremental value uh, that has found its way to the United Center itself. Just the people who go into the United Center, get acquainted with the building, turn up for the circus, turn up for the uh, for the ice show. You own half the building. You got the chunk of, uh, of Comcast, which uh, grows in leaps and bounds. I Honest to gosh, I believe the uh, the package would go for around $800 million. I really do. Boy, that would really be something. And think of where they were before Rocky took over and hired John McDonough. They were DOA. Yeah, this this is the most amazing story I've seen in in you know twenty thirty years here in Chicago or anywhere else. It's just an incredible outcome. Uh, has O.J. Simpson tried to uh, file another appeal in the last half an hour? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think that something happened to him. Today? Well, what what do you hear about Juice in the joint? He, he's apparently a privileged character there. People give him their phone time, and uh, he he's able to people who are in. Medium security with him somehow think he's a very important guy. So he's doing well, as well as anybody could do, while locked up all day in medium security in Nevada with no air conditioning. (laughs) Oh, think about that. (laughs) August in Las Vegas. August in Nevada with no air conditioning. Yeah, bologna sandwiches and a bunk bed. Oh, my gosh. No fan. You know, I once played golf in Las Vegas, and the temperature at tee-off time was 109 degrees. I played three holes and said, you're nuts. Say goodbye, yeah. He is Lester Munson. I'm Chad Kopik. This has been, of course, Sports Court. We'll join you in seven days. We thank our great friends at American Taxi, Chicago's number one premier suburban taxi service. Make it a point. Barrington, Winnetka, Arlington Heights, wherever you may be, American Taxi should always be your carrier of choice. Take good care. So long, everybody.